the Standing Orders podcast. Welcome to this latest edition of the Standing Orders podcast with me, Dr. Thomas Foreman, and my co-host, the Emeritus Mayor, Sue Lorne. Hello, Thomas. How are you? I'm very well, and how are you? Just fine and dandy. Thank you very much for asking. You see, now you've stood down as a a Conservative councillor, it's all gone to pot, really, hasn't it? Well, what can I say? (laughs) I had it so much under control, and now it's just, where's it all going to end? So I think we can start with talking about the by-election results, um, of which there were three this week. So a bit of an unusual one. Obviously, there is one, there should have been four, um, but I, I believe that Nadine Doyers still hasn't resigned. And so there is no by-election for her at the moment, um, because I think she's still trying to uh, understand why she's not a peer. So we just had the three weeks. Couldn't it just? Um, So I think it's um, Somerton and Frome, Selby and Ainsty, um, Uxbridge and South Ryslip. So those were the the three. Obviously, um, I think Somerton fell to the Liberal Democrats having been conservative in 2015, 2017 and 2019. And the Lib Dems got a majority of, I think, just a little over 11,000 votes. Mm-hmm. Um, Selby went to Labour. Again, mm-hmm. it'd been conservative for the last three mm-hmm. elections. They got 46% of the vote, showing a majority of, again, just over 4,100. Uh, Uxbridge was held by the Conservatives, which, uh, with a majority though of only four hundred, yeah, yeah, four hundred ninety-five. Yeah. I mean, you know, even if it's one, you know, it's still a, it's still a vote. Uh, it's still a, it's still a win. Um, but I think um, it also brings in 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 Selby the uh, youngest MP that's yes. in Parliament yeah. at the moment at twenty-five. Do you? I, I think that's really good. Do you? Yeah, I do. I think that it it does. It seriously needs new blood, and I'm just hoping that he will he will understand, you know, that it's it, the people that's put him there and the reasons why he's been put there. No, I think it is. I think that we do need seriously need new blood in um in in Parliament at the moment, and um, you know, oh well and good, you know, that he was able to convince. Uh, the the residents in in that um, area that well, do, do, I mean, do you do you do do you think do you do um, do you, do you, do, you, do, you, do, you, do 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 yeah. um, I mean, do you think that like Labour and and he convinced the electorate in in Selby that you know he is the man for the job, or do you think the Conservatives just convinced them that they weren't the people for the job? Because I I kind of wonder how much of this is. Labour and candidate success, and how much of this is actually just the Conservatives have lost it rather than Labour have won it, if that makes sense? No, I think that I, I think um, Conservatives were, were going to lose that seat uh, no matter who they were going to put in place. And that's no no disrespect to, to the person who, who won the seat. And again, you know, is it people thinking, well, you know, everybody has got baggage these days. There's always got, there's, as soon as you put somebody in place, you can guarantee that the media is going to find that that person uh, blinked at the wrong time whenever he was in a photo taken or something. So is it that they thought, well, yeah, he, he hasn't got any baggage. He's, you know, he's a young person. He He's... 
you know, he's more than qualified to to take up this position. If you're thinking, it's, you know, his age means that he's inexperienced, um, you can then look at it that some of the older generations that are in there at the moment are experienced but totally incapable of doing the job. So, um, so no, I'm 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 thinking that this is this is a good result, and um, and I'm hoping that he will he will go forward and and be a, a really good MP. But uh, in the media over the last couple of days, they've been saying, "Oh, is this the sign that uh, you know that Labour are now on their way to um, ten Downing Street?" Well, I'm thinking um, that maybe that's not they, – they did not do enough over those three um, by-elections to say to me that, oh, yeah, they're on their way. Conservatives won one, Lib Dems won one, and Labour won one. So if that was going to be – if if Labour were on their way, I would have thought that they would have won all three of them. I mean, I, th- um, I think – you see, I, I take a slightly different view in that I think when you have three – and I don't want to say historic, but I mean, for the last three elections, all of them have been conservative-like uh, mm-hmm. constituencies. So mm-hmm. each of them have had a conservative MP for the past three elections. So I, I think it's always one of those difficulties for, for Labour in that these are not going to be necessarily traditional kind of Labour like voting no. areas. And so some, to move from conservative, will find it far more difficult to move from conservative to Labour than they will from conservative to Lib Dem. And if you look like locally to you in Norfolk, um, the North Norfolk coast, and you look at, um, mm-hmm. you know, Norman Lamb, and you mm-hmm. look at now Duncan Baker, and mm-hmm. you look at what happened there, you know, it seems far easier for the conservative voters to go to Lib Dems and then back to Conservative, whereas I don't think you will ever see a Labour politician standing in North Norfolk and being successful. Because but I just again, think it, that they're too polar, um, and so people just won't lend the vote. But at, at the moment, we're living in um, the strangest times in, in our political history. Um, is is never, never before have we had the last two years or any experience as the past two years has given us, for goodness sake. So that we are we are we going to be in a situation we've always been, it's always been Conservatives and Labour with Lib Dems running up behind. Um so you would have then expected this is, you know, this is a, a time where people would be out there saying, no, we haven't got any more confidence in the Conservative Party. So we'll go and we'll do this, even if it's, you know, Conservatives, we'll do this protest vote and we'll, we'll vote for Labour to say to Conservatives, you have seriously messed up this time. So you have to take the consequences that go with it. If you go to the uh, West Country, that was Lib Dems for many years before Conservatives took over. Uh, and they've just gone back to what they were. Um, but, and I've had this discussion with my partner um, over the last couple of days, and it's a case, oh, no, they've just gone back to what they were before. But, you know, everybody's saying, you know, we need change. This just isn't good enough and we want things to move on. Did Labour not even focus? Did they just purely focus on the Yorkshire one um, as opposed to, to the other two? Well, to me, that would be a really, really silly thing to do. I don't get why 
political parties do this. They just focus on one area thinking, yeah, we'll take that and we'll be happy with that. I think it's uh, yeah, everything I, into the other two areas. I mean, you can't, I mean, you can't put everything into three places necessarily. I mean, they will have worked hard if, in you, all you of could those. Do, you, you couldn't necessarily do that if it was a full election, but this was by elections. So, and it's not as if they're on, you know, they're neighbours to each other. They're, you know, they're in three different total geography of the, of the country. So, um, you know, so it, it should have been possible to me. If it, if if I was leader of the Labour Party, I would have been saying, "We're going for all three of these seats, and we're going to make sure that we put everything out there." And again, you know, they they didn't even come in in um, Boris's seat. They didn't even come second. They got no. something like a thousand votes. For goodness' sake. Yeah, I th- um, yeah, but like I say, I think that's because they have to pick. Like well, conservatives will not naturally lend a vote to, to to Labour, and so why fight it like so strongly? Why not put no, your I money and everything else? Because remember, they may be fighting three by elections now. All of these cost money, and they would rather save that money for the general election next year, where it will make a real difference. This is is just sending a message to the conservatives, and I think them losing like two out of three. Um, conservative seats actually does send a message. And I think winning I think, the last one by 495 is yeah. an embarrassment. And I think no, Rishi no. kind of passed. No. no, 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 don't agree with that at all. I think that it shows that the people were thinking that, um, yeah, we, we didn't want to lose Boris and we're going to show you that, you know, we are happy with what he did. And I think that was more of a vote for him to say, you know, we would have backed you if you'd have stood Boris. Or, you know, we, we didn't ask. Really? Him. They didn't ask him to stand. Yeah. I think for Conservatives to have won that seat of all the seats, um, shows, for heaven's sake, the whole country has been sitting saying, oh, you know, Boris did this and he did that. And, you know, he, he's got to go. Yeah, but in a but negative yet, way. His seat still stays yeah. Conservative. <laughs> Yeah, but that, I just, to, to I mean, to me that says that you're not doing, we, that it wasn't necessarily for Rishi and uh, the party. It, I think that was more saying we were happy with what he was doing and um, and we're going to stay voting Conservatives. Yeah, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think that they were voting for what the current government is doing. I don't think anyone yeah. would vote for what the current government is doing. And and I, I mean that in an apolitical way, because yeah. I, I don't think... I, I haven't met anyone from Conservative Labour Lib Dem who believes that the current government is doing a good job. Um, and so, therefore, I, I think it is an apolitical statement like now. And, you know, it, it reminds me of actually something I heard on, on another podcast, um, which was, um, I believe that there was a comparison made um, by... Uh, an opposition party that a politician was like Boris Johnson. And uh, Lindsay Hoyle then made a judgment to say that that was basically like accusing someone of being a liar, which you can't do in, in Parliament. And so um, made the judgment that they had to apologise or, or withdraw um, because Boris's name is now synonymous with, with being a liar. So, you know, I think it's, I think it really does depend on, like, your view of Boris to an extent as to these election results. But I don't think the government is doing anything to win people over. And if if this is anything to go by, I think it's going to be an interesting general election next year. 
But this is the thing. So you say, you know, they're not doing anything to win everybody, anybody over. And I, I don't see that um, they are either. But yet they still won that seat. So it's more yeah. of a miracle than it is an embarrassment um that they that they got that that seat through in in my opinion i really thought that and i i did think they would lose all three of them but i did not expect them to win that seat in a million years no and even though i mean it's the small majority i think that um yeah that's incredible that they were i mean can i just check sorry were you saying with with um uxbridge and and south Islip, um did you say that labor didn't come second no, they didn't. Yes, did they, they did. They came second, yeah. And oh, they were only... Been in, in, um, they, in the West they, they Country were, then, that they only got 1,000. Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, in, in Somerton, they, they only got 2.6% of the share. But in, in Uxbridge, they got 40... I think it was around 43 and a half. And Conservatives got 45, pretty much. So it, it was... You know, they were up Sorry, nearly 6%. I, and, I, I must have just... Went past the TV screen as I seen those results and thought that was um, that no, was... it's 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 okay. I mean, they did. To, to be fair, you know, the the Lib Dems, I think, in in Somerton increased by just over twenty eight percent. Conservatives went down by just over twenty nine and a half. But Labour lost more than ten percent of the vote there. So you know, there is some there is some logic in 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 what you're saying, which makes a uh, which makes a change. Um, <laughs> um, but the other thing for this uh, was that um, take that back right now. <laughs> but the, the turnout was incredible, you know, for yeah. the by-election as well, which uh, which I thought was was quite interesting. So we're. Um, are you I will just. I will just go back slightly on on something that you said, and that oh, for is. Sake. No, 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 not not a mistake. Well, in my view, it, it's a mistake. <laughs> Um, um, I I think having young people in parliament is a, um, it's a great thing. Um, but what I would say is I, I like, I come from this from a perspective of, um, like another thing I do like with my time and, you know, in, in that arena, you know, there is a big push for young people to come in and a push out of older people doing the role um, because they view it that, you know, basically older people, you know, should be doing it and young blood coming through is a really good thing. I know I'm being vague, but there is a reason yeah. why I'm being deliberately vague. Um, and I completely disagree with it because I think you, you end up with a really inexperienced group people without a real understanding. And also, if you look at like Mari Black, who was the deputy leader in Westminster for the SNP, she stood down because she said she was tired and she's tired of the toxic environment. She's tired of loads of things around Parliament. And I think I think she was like 18 or something when she became an MP. Um, oh, no, she wasn't. I think she was 20. She was 20 when she became an MP. And, and now she's leaving because she's tired out and all of this. And I think... Actually, I would say the perfect time to be an MP is probably late 30s, early 40s for your first time, because you've already got work and life experience enough to be able to put it to good use. And you know how to balance things, you know, 
basically how how work life is. And I mean, this chap who's 25, I know has got a great past. He's been to Oxford. He's worked for, um, you know, MPs. He's done research. He, he so seems like a really good... He, yeah. he has, yeah. And so he's yeah. probably really well-skilled. But I think on the judgment of age, and this isn't because, you know, my grey hairs are coming out more than my, my black hairs are now, um, I just think that there is sometimes too much of a push to get young blood in. I think instead we need to be looking at changing the dynamic so that actually being an MP is seen as something incredible. The people come into it with, you know, a really good past career outside of politics. They then use those kind of that expertise, those connections and everything else in Parliament to improve things, and then they leave Parliament and continue with a normal career. And that what they do is they spend a few terms in Parliament. I'm not saying like just one term. They stand for a few terms, get that experience, really understand it. But if you look at like Rishi, you know, I don't think Rishi has been in Parliament for long. Um, no, I he think, hasn't. He hadn't. You know, and, and I think he came from outside, and I think he was first voted, um, you know, I can't remember which election it was. Um, but it, it wasn't, I think, was it 2015? Was he on the 2015 intake? Um, yeah, I think it was, yeah, I think it was about that time. But, and I, I do, I, I really get what you're saying about, you know, you need to have that experience. And, but this is where it should be a mixture of both. But then on the other hand, you're, you know, you say, you know, like people are at the moment, they've, they've done a bit outside and then they come in and, and they, you know, they get elected and, and then they move through the ranks and become prime ministers one day. But yeah. so, I mean, if you think about it, he's been, but he, he, sorry, he had been an MP for seven years and he went from MP to prime minister. Why do we need people? Who, yeah. Why do we need yeah. people who have been there for like 20, 30 years? Why can't we have people with experience, not necessarily like him, um, but then who, who kind of comes through and then leaves and continues with a normal life? But this is it. But then you can only carry on if the people think that you've done a good job and they're going to elect you back in the next time. But we, the, at the moment, the government on all parties is full of people with many years of experience. And look at how they've handled the last two years. They, absolutely. And, you know, it is is absolutely embarrassing and disgusting as to the way they behaved 18 months ago. So I think that, you know, it's, 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 you, you do need the experience in there. You you need the, the old school to be saying, you know, this is how it works and, and this is how things go. But is it now time that we've, we we have a serious change, and um, and and we we start to 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 evolve, uh, really, and and to leave those old days behind and move on to something new. Um, it's you know again you know the, if somebody gets elected for the first time, and um, and they have the four he's only got a, a years a year eighteen months um, at the very most. So mm-hmm. um, you know if he. Hopefully he will get he'll get um, elected again, 
but everybody only has a four year period that they, they have that time to make their mark and to do what's right for the country. So we, you know, you, you can say, Oh, my career is going to be an MP, but it's only going to be an MP if the people let you do that. So, um, so everybody should have some kind of life experience before they come in. Absolutely. Is, 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 I'm not going to say a sheltered life experience because it's obviously well. It is. I, I but, mean, well, it, it's reasonably it, sheltered. I mean, you know, side, no, not not on the it? political side. But I, I don't think you know. It doesn't grab me that I think that you know, just having a life outside politics, really, just to understand how, yeah, like, you, you, because you, it is a bubble, you know. Yeah, and you to be honest, this. having having known people um, and been involved with, you know universities like oxford and cambridge it is a bubble and it yeah. is and it is, a, it is know, a bubble so so when i say that he's got the political experience has he got the experience of having to pay for a mortgage that has gone up four or five times in the last year and trying to find the pennies that's going to pay those you know because the the you know the rates have gone up the interest and your uh your income isn't getting any better so that side of life yeah he he doesn't necessarily understand but he has family and and parents and everybody who who you know who will be um be going through the the same times as as quite a lot of uh you know residents really? these days but well you don't you don't know that so no you, you don't know, i'm assuming that you know he 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 has got friends and families who are going through hard times as well but the thing is that he has got the the poli- political insight that quite a lot of the older people who've been working in various uh, careers that might come along at the next election, he could have more experience in the political side of things as opposed to somebody who's worked in a supermarket and who's not going to stand, well, I don't know that happens, but um, is going to stand for being an MP next next time round. So it's, it's six or one and half a dozen of the other. And, um, but you just hope that he's going to go in and do a good job. The people who've been there and had the experience, hopefully will show him the right lines to go down as opposed to um, just push it from one desk to the next to the next. Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, moving on slightly um, from that, just to finish off, um, because we, by the time we recorded last week's podcast, we we just missed this, um, and so I thought it would be good to mention it this week, which is that um, an amendment was uh, proposed in the House of Lords to the Leveling Up and Regeneration Bill, which would allow councils to hold remote meetings, which has been a big thing that we have spoken about, a big thing that I think every local council uh, clerk and and you know corporate body has spoken about people have submitted evidence district councils want it unitaries want it counties want it everyone seems to be united in fact around apparently according to the local government association 95 percent of uh, respondents kind of were massively in favor of this so it was put forward by baroness mackintosh uh, who tabled the um, amendment she's a conservative and she basically said that um you know during the pandemic it worked. And so, you know, as part of the levelling up bill, this should be in there. So allow local authorities to hold virtual meetings. So far, so good. Um, the only problem is that the government, um, through, you know, ministers in the House of Lords, um, objected to it. And I just think it's 
Um, I just think it's such a missed opportunity for, I mean, the amendment went through despite the government objecting. So that doesn't mean it's passed. It just means it goes back to the House of Commons to be like looked at alongside a few other amendments that were put forward as well. Um, But what just grabs me is, you know, the deputy leader of the House of Lords, uh, Earl Howe, um, apparently strongly disagreed um, and said that, you know, the government are firmly of the view that democracy must continue to be conducted face to face as it has been for the past two years and for most of the history prior to the pandemic. And that, you know, virtual meetings were reflective of a unique moment in time um, where, you know, an exceptional circumstance necessitated it. Now, the House of Lords can meet virtually, um, which I find incredible. Um, so it's good enough for the House of Lords, but not good enough for local authorities. It actually improves participation from individuals and councillors and everyone else. And yet the government apparently through the House of Lords like have said that they're strongly against it. I, I'm just utterly, I'm baffled that, to be honest with you, ministers can be looking at sorting out um, the reason why bank accounts are being closed for Nigel Farage, apparently, with the drop of a hat. Don't get me wrong, important banks can't close like people's accounts because they disagree with their political beliefs. Fine. But actually, if the government can start looking through committing to this, which is just, if you like, a drop in the ocean compared to the issues the country are facing, you know, surely this yeah. is something that actually affects literally millions of people and the government basically can't be asked. And yet Nigel Farage gets kicked out of coots. And and suddenly, you know, we must all scramble to Nigel's defence to make sure he gets to keep an account with a bank that requires you to have a million pounds. Well, I'm not being funny. Open a Revolut account, Nigel. You know, I, I just, I struggle to understand, like, why the government won't give time to something that improves the lives of people, like, you know, allowing virtual meetings to take place. But won't, but but will commit time to Nigel Farage's banking issues. I just yeah. baffles me. Well, every, there's there's so many things that have baffled me for for quite some time now. But and that again is is one of them. But the, the difference with the whole world um, at the moment is that everybody has moved on, and it is constantly online meetings in whichever company, whichever walk of life your career is in, there'll be online meetings. So why can local government not do do that as well? I can understand that, you know, if if you just said carte blanche, okay, you can have every one of your meetings online, then that's not acceptable. Um, the, because there are residents out there who, who don't have the facilities to go online and see what's happening. But we've got the experience and we know that that works better. It works better for uh, residents to, to join in meetings and for them to see more openly what's being discussed by their local council and, um, and, and allows them to be part of it. Not necessarily, they can't necessarily join into that meeting, but they can see what's going on. And, um, and I would have thought that, you know, if you spoke to majority of people, uh, they would all be saying, yeah, it, I thought that was lockdown showed us, you know, a lot. We had a lot more insight into what was happening in local government in all tiers than what yep. they'd ever had before. Again, Absolutely. if you're going to if you're going to allow it that you're going to do online meetings, 
this is where you're going to bring in younger people because we've said it it before so many times that you know you have to have a you have to have a job you have to have a career that's going to pay your bills if you're doing as a town council you don't get paid a penny for that um so for you to be i mean some 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 do um but obviously most councils don't but districts, yes. But I just no, no, that, no. Town, yeah. no. You, Did you they? can get, yeah, you can get an allowance through towns. No, but you most don't, me. don't. Yeah, I know. No, you don't. But we, I mean, normally a council takes a vote to say no. There's no, and the council no, took that vote, and so, and so that's why you never saw a penny. Well, not legitimately, anyway. <laughs> that is so unfair but so, yeah so the majority of um no majority of town councils and community councils don't have the preset to pay uh you know another you know 16 councillors uh on a monthly yearly basis so so yeah so this way you're attracting the younger people who can even in work you can take that if you're, it's an hour or something you can take that time off join online and then get back to your normal daily routine. So it's, it's cr- absolutely crazy to think that the government would would object to this. I, I can't for the life of me understand. And no. I still don't understand why we just didn't carry on. I know well, they, they I mean, they, they, freedom to do it in lockdown. I don't understand why they didn't just say, okay, you have to do it within moderation. You, you say you have to do it four times a year or something. You you have to meet in, in public to give people the opportunity to, to join. But otherwise, everybody has got the opportunity to, to join online. And, um, yeah. Yeah, I guess I just – no, I – it, it is crazy. And I know the reason why it didn't continue. I know that originally the government didn't oppose. So when this went through um, the courts, the government didn't actually oppose what the councillors were saying, which is we like the legislation, I think, says a place and that that place can be online. And so therefore online meetings are allowed. The courts found no, it requires legislation to be able to do that. You can't rely on on this. And the government didn't actually object to the court deciding that you could but it seemed like the court said no and then the government decided well this is going way down our bill and now we're actively saying that we believe it should all take place in person and that it shouldn't be online so i i do wonder whether the government sit there frequently and just decide how can we be more out of touch with people and yeah. with local authorities um and then decide to go down that path because it just i i just don't understand how wales can do it scotland can do it like Wales have been yeah. doing it for years they were doing it before the pandemic i remember when i was in wales virtual meetings were, were allowed boy. and well absolutely and and back then you could do it and it was nowhere near as well rolled out as it has been since the pandemic yeah. and them saying well you know we'll need to write it into the legislation just literally copy and paste it from the Welsh Assembly because they have it, they have done it, it's been there for 10 years or more. Actually, I think it is exactly, no, it is more than 10 years now. So why can you not just duplicate that legislation, stick it in the levelling up bill, it's gone through Parliament, it's all done, I just, I don't get it. And it is just one of those frustrations at the moment with the government that they just seem to have their priorities completely screwed. But that's the other thing as well, that whenever you can join online, you can join online from anywhere in the in the world. And I've done it whenever I've been on holiday um, in the Dominican Republic. Uh, well, that's because ago. you spend most of your time I'm... on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> take it back, take it back. So, um, but that was five o'clock in the morning. I was able, that time, I was able to join on um, a group meeting. 
and and plus you you then don't have you you don't have an excuse to give an apology even though i was on holiday i i wouldn't have done that anyway but it's you know there's there's so many people oh i'm stuck in work or i'm stuck in traffic or you know i'm i'm just not available to get into to that meeting um this way in lockdown i attended more meetings than in all the in, in the two years of lockdown, I attended more meetings than all the times that I'd ever, um, you know, been a counsellor. And um, and again, you know, I attended meetings that I would never have been able to go to previously. Um, and you you find out every detail about what's happening in your in your council or the district mm-hmm. and council. Um, so it, you know, it just gives you a bigger insight into into what's actually happening and uh you know to to turn around and say that it's it's not practical um it's it's not uh you know it's, it's not part of legislation is just ridiculous they it need is. to sort themselves out and get Don't themselves think. back to I, I, okay to no no you they need to get themselves back to um to be understanding what their the the, the counsellors that are putting them, you know, that are helping to get them in place, they need to understand what they're asking for and, um, and, 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 you know, get down more with the people than they are. Get, sorry, get, get down, down get, get down, down more with the people. <laughs> yeah, because they're so high up there, they need to get themselves back down onto the level ground. Thank you for listening to the Standing Orders podcast by Politis. Please like and subscribe to get your weekly edition. You can suggest topics by emailing podcast at politisconsulting.co.uk. See you next week.